Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Ed. Yeah, Ed, two appearances in quick succession. Well done there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, especially after the last game, but we're probably not going to talk much about that, are we? Well, yeah, there has been the Brighton game since we last recorded. We're going to kind of flip over that quite quickly and try not to mention it <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, on this show, we are going to focus on some yeah positive news. Our youth team won the FA Youth Cup. And then there's a lot of news at the moment around Eric Ten Hag. Uh, purportedly, he's actually going to be arriving in Manchester tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday. And then, yeah, we'll talk a bit about maybe some of the backroom people who are coming in. Transfer rumours are already... Go- coming in and around and then yeah the last day of the season is coming up and is actually going to be an important game to decide whether we end up in the Europa League or the embarrassment of the Europa Conference uh, I mean are you bothered either way Ed? Well you don't want the Europa Con- I mean we can we can always throw the Europa Conference by sending the kids but like oh, it's an embarrassment isn't it United shouldn't be in the Europa Conference League United should be in any league that has the word conference in it I mean, the whole tournament is like just, I don't, you know, I don't know why they've even invented this, just extra matches uh, thrown out there. But yeah, I guess it's another trophy to win. Uh, UEFA come up with these things. So there's more matches, more TV, more advertising money. And that's what yeah. it's all about. That's what, that's uh, about. But yeah, we really don't want to be in that. I mean, even, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was a few years ago, though, where, you know, we would have been embarrassed to be in the Europa League. And uh, now we're at the point where we'd actually like take that now as the le- you know the better kind of finish to the season. Yeah, I think expectations have sort of fallen somewhat, haven't they? Really, which is sad. But yeah, really. Although to be fair as well, like the Europa League has kind of risen in profile since they offered a place in the Champions League for winning it. Yeah. Uh, quite a few teams have started taking it seriously. I mean, I remember the first few times we ended up in the Europa League and I think it was when we ended up third in the Champions League group. I remember playing Athletic Bilbao and Ferguson put out quite a weakish team and we went out and I don't think he was that bothered. But uh, since we've started, you know, struggling to even be top four uh, and even other teams around there, you know, that plies of going to the Champions League does make that Europa League much more worth it. And uh, of course, we did win it under Mourinho and that was the only reason we played Champions League football the year after that. Yeah. And, you know, once you get deep into the competition, it sort of starts to feel a bit like the Champions League anyway, because the teams that we would be playing in sort of the knockout rounds, like the first round of the Champions League, are the ones that you'd be playing deep into a Europa League run. 
So it it sort of works out and it does get exciting in its own right. Yeah, I have seen a few of our fans say, oh, I'd be happy to end up in the Conference League. One, because these players deserve the embarrassment of being in it. Uh, plus, like, you know, some of the guys who love going on these Euro aways, which is not me anymore. I used to back in the day. But yeah, since having kids and stuff, that's all gone out the window. But yeah, they say, you know, you can get some like random, interesting new places to go and travel to, whether it's like, I don't know, Albania or Azerbaijan or something <laughs> like that. Do you think Ronaldo would be the all-time top scorer of the uh, Europa Conference League if we actually ended up in it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he wants that particular no. trophy. Uh, but yeah, we'll see from there. Um, but yeah, also worth mentioning that, yeah, Ronaldo has won this month's uh, Premier League Player of the Year for the second time, not just our player, our player of the month, but yeah, the Premier League's Player of the Month. And, uh, you know, I think we had a chat. I think it was the one we had, and we talked about who's our Player of the Year. Yeah. And at the time, we barely gave Ronaldo a mention no. because he was in like he'd gone. I think it was like the biggest scoring drought he'd had in ages. He'd had quite he'd been injured, and we, we you know we mentioned him just because he had been our top scorer. But we were more talking about De Gea, Fred. I think we even mentioned Bruno. But I think now, since his performance in the last couple of months, couple of hat tricks, uh, you know, a few goals, I think you know he's going to have to be a shoe in now for our Player of the Year, isn't he? Yeah, I. You know, I think. There's an argument to be said about whether he's been a net detriment to the team, but ultimately his performances over the over the season are unarguable, really, aren't they? Um, as in, he scored what was it eight in the la- in the last ten games, something like that. Yeah, I think it was the stat was something since, like our last nine the- goals, like eight of them were from Ronaldo and one right. was from Fred. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's been ha- an crazy run. How can you argue with that? I mean. Is is top three scorers in the league, or he was when I last looked. So, no, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, the other big kind of news is obviously all about Eric Ten Hag, who sealed the Eredivisie Dutch league just yesterday mm-hmm. with a final win there. So, yeah, he signed off in style, and yeah, good for his profile, good for his confidence to win that. And apparently, he's going to cut short his official contract and is expected in Manchester tomorrow to start work ASAP and maybe we'll even see him in the stands or something like that against Crystal Palace on the weekend. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a good sign that he's ready to get straight stuck in and start work because there's a hell of a lot of work for him to do. There is. And like when Mo- the, one of the big mistakes of Moyes' sort of tenure was that limbo between the season finishing and the 1st of June when he officially started. I guess that was contractual really, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. it, it didn't help with the preparation of the season. He'd have thought perhaps he was doing it, you know, in his own time, but who knows? I, it, it was a, t- it was a shambolic transfer window, wasn't it? So. Oh yeah. 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 And in fact, as well, I remember when Louis van Gaal came in and he had the world cup to deal with and wasn't yeah. showing up till after that. So it was also kind of a very delayed start and he was just coming in just before the start of the season. So yeah, if he's coming in right now and, you know, there's already these reports out there that there was a meeting between John Mortar and uh, Eric Ten Hag in Amsterdam last week and they've started mm-hmm. talking about where he wants to be, what he wants to be doing, transfer targets. And interestingly, as well as his assistant, who he's going to be bringing in, Mitchell van der Garg, I think his name is, I'm sure we'll find out how we actually pronounce these things in good time, uh, who's his current assistant at Ajax. And yeah, 
it's not totally confirmed, but yeah, we're expecting him to come in and be his assistant at United. But apparently Steve McLaren will, was also at this meeting and yeah. is also expected to come and join his backroom staff. I mean, what do you think about that? You think it's a good move? I mean, I'm kind of like slightly torn on it all because I think, look, uh, should I want fresh new ideas? Do we really want to be looking backwards? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, but at the same time, of course, it is good for him to come in. He can help him settle. But yeah, like I say, it's a two minds thing for me. I mean, I'd, I think the idea is looking back is uh, a bit of a misnomer, really, because the club is a totally different club to the club that Steve McLaren, McLaren was at 20 odd years ago. Um, and it sounds as though Eric Ten Hag has actually actually fought to get him on his staff as well. So I think it's probably a, a positive, a positive sign. And actually, I've got a lot of respect for Steve McLaren doing it because you know, he's had man- full managerial positions. He was uh, like a consultant director or something at Derby. Hmm. Um, it, it's, in a sense, a step down in terms of where he could be at in his career right now. So for him to be an assistant at Manchester United because Eric Ten Hag trusts his opinions, I think it's possibly a positive move. But ultimately, that's going to be proven on the pitch, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'm sure, to be honest, that he's jumped at the chance. I don't think he was actually in any kind of employment since leaving Derby last year. Um, I mean, he was a great coach for us. He wasn't actually at the club that long. Uh, You know, he was only really with us for a couple of seasons. Uh, He came in in the middle of that kind of 99 season that obviously ended brilliantly for us. So he's always kind of connected to that treble win. And then he didn't stick around that much longer before he got that job offer of being Middlesbrough manager he went off there and did a pretty good job, to be fair, and ended up being England manager, which didn't go well for him. Um, But he's met Eric Ten Hag when he ended up in the Dutch league. And yeah, he's actually quite an underrated feat that he won the league with FC 20, who'd never won it before. So yeah, I mean, that is quite a respectable thing to do over there. Wasn't Eric Ten Hag on his staff there? Yeah, exactly. So that's where they know each other from. It was one of Eric Ten Hag's kind of early coaching roles. And like I said, I had some doubts about this, but actually one of our regular listeners on Twitter had kind of pushed me forward towards listening to a podcast that's out there. Um, Steve McLaren actually has his own podcast. And just about a month ago, he was talking about the fact that Eric Ten Hag had taken our job and he was talking about the time they'd worked together. So that is actually worth seeking out and listening to. Um, And he was just talking about what a detailed guy was. He said, you know, I arrived at FC 20. I didn't have that much planned. And I met Eric Ten Hag and just said, oh, yeah, you know, we need to sit down and put together a plan of what we're doing in the first couple of months. And he said he immediately handed me this dossier that had a day by day detailed like schedule of what we were going to be doing for the next six weeks before I'd even ever met him. You know, so the guy is known as an intensely detailed man and it goes down to everything to the nth degree, uh, you know, on the tactical side, everything, everything, even about how long kind of drinks break should be and things like that. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting how he comes in and deals with our kind of slight mess of a squad and how they take these kind of things. Um, But, yeah, I I say, look, anybody who's not ready to do what he wants, they need to be out ASAP. Absolutely. and we know there'll be several players out the door anyway, so it will be. That will be the main interesting thing this summer to see who's in, who's out. Uh, there's already the kind of transfer rumor mill kicking off. But yeah, you know, the more I kind of look into 
Eric Ten Hag and everything, the more kind of impressed I am. Um, you know, there's lots of information out there. So for those, because I know there is still a lot of question marks from people saying, look, it's a massive step up from the Dutch league to the Premier League, from Ajax to Manchester United. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, people say that, but also like, is it, you know, Pep's, st- Pep, uh, this is, you know, obviously a hyperbolic parallel, but Pep step up was from Barcelona B, La Masia to the Barcelona main team. So, you know, there's not been any sort of cutting your teeth period there. There's no, it's, it's sort of hard to judge really. I don't think it's fair to, to say it's a, it's a beyond him, shall we say? No, I don't think, yeah, people are saying it's beyond him to say maybe it's a bit of a gamble, but I think it was like a kind of gamble worth taking. Cause if you look at the managers we've had, and they obviously none of them have worked out for us. Uh, you know, they were more like proven managers at all kind of um, Mourinho and Van Hal obviously had big club experience and won everything. Uh, Moyes was a different kettle of fish. He was the kind of Premier League proven one, was supposed to know everything and came and that for him was ultimately it became too much of a step up. Uh, some people might say, look, he didn't get enough time. Ole was the more random one that he was never supposed to be our manager, came in as kind of interim and did such a great job and was given the reins. And yeah, I think rightly so. And, you know, I, I always kind so of too. defended him to the end. And, you know, now as well, I don't know whether people now start, a lot of the people who will say Ole out and really against him, whether they see how our season's finished and how these players have failed so badly under a new manager and whether they'll reassess the kind of job Ole did to get this club to second place last season, the third the year before. And, uh, you know, ultimately did miss out, but we still did get to that Europa League final. So, yeah, I would wonder whether people will reassess where exactly they're at with Ole. Although, you know, I'll say myself, he still had to go. And I don't, I'm not going to be arguing saying he should have had to stay or anything like that. No, it was, ter- it was terminal at that point, wasn't it, really? I mean, and I love the guy so much. I'm probably his only defender left in our little group, um, apart from yourself, perhaps. But, you know, yeah, it, it was terminal. And I, I, I think, yeah, he did probably took them as far as he could and as far as they could go under his... Think, if you know what I mean, not that sounds like I'm saying the same thing, but also I think the players perhaps couldn't go any further than where they've been getting. Yeah, I mean, that will be a thing we'll debate and maybe we'll talk about that more in the summer about still, you know, it's been a constant discussion all season about where exactly did things go wrong over here? And, you know, it's not still not that clear. But actually, we had quite a good question from Twitter that I think kind of, you know, relates to this that's mm-hmm. worth throwing out at this point. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. So, yeah, it's from Twitter user are Moses um so yeah it, again it relates to the question of where have things gone wrong this season and how Eric Ten Hag can kind of sort it out so he basically says would like to know your thoughts on whether it's a mentality thing or lack of quality that's caused our troubles this year and whether the new manager can turn it around quickly I'd say both I mean mental the mentality is clearly not there because they're not fighting at all they're not you know we, we go down, heads drop. We, you know, under Raleigh, the season before, we, 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 we fought to the end we, and we get a lot of two, two ones away. And you can say maybe the crowds contribute, no crowds contributed to that. But I, I don't really buy that. I think that Ollie did instill a good mentality into that team until sort of the last few months. And then it, it sort of seemed to have gone. 
And then you've also, and then when, you, when you've got a bad mentality, it doesn't help to lack the quality that we have. Uh, you know, like Scott McTominay just doesn't seem to quite up to it. Fred, as good as he is, he, he does just run around a lot sometimes. And, you know, that's what you get from him. But when you need that little bit more to push a team to, to, to get over the edge, it's not quite there. I mean, look, quality-wise, most of us, well, I think all of us, actually, on this podcast and in our kind of uh, group that we chat everything about, at the start of the season, we were all pretty positive. We all thought, you know, top four is a given. And, you know, we, we knew that it was going to be difficult to catch City and that Liverpool were going to be diff- difficult. But we didn't think that we'd have any struggle in getting top four and that maybe we could push on to make an actual, actual kind of ch- Premier League challenge. And obviously it hasn't happened at all. I mean, I still think that there is a lot of players in this squad who are much better than they've shown this season. Uh, and yeah, you know, I've thrown out these names before. The ones you'd say, Maguire, Shaw, Rashford. And ironically, and I don't know whether there is some guy, whether it's just coincidence or whether there is something more behind this. Most of them are actually the English players who've really struggled this year and who've been a level level below where they were last year so i know people talked about kind of world cup hangover i mean euros hangover and things like that and there has been other english players out there who struggled this season whether it's sterling whether it's kane none of them have had the best seasons Uh, yeah Grealish as well you know it hasn't happened to everyone but there has been quite a few and it has really like i said seemed to be our english contingent who struggled and i actually noticed uh, a couple of matches ago that our lineup didn't have any english players in it and it's you know the first time for a long time but i mean part of that was down to injury and if you'd looked at our squad in the summer you would have pulled out dean henderson aaron wambisaka shaw maguire rashford Sancho, maybe even Lingard coming in from the bench. I mean, you're looking about half the team you probably thought was going to be based around an English kind of spine. And in the end, all of them have had issues for one reason or another and have not been there at all. Um, But I mean, look, going back to the question, I still think there is quality there. They're obviously completely dead mentally. They've, like you say, confidence is zero. It's been been like that for a while. And I think that is why Ole had to go because you could see that confidence that he still had like you said there were so many times they came back and forth whereas this season it wasn't there at all you hoped maybe a new manager could bring that back but you know we have to be fair that I like Ralph Raniuk but he's not done a good job as a manager as the results have not been good Uh, it's not all on him but he has definitely been you know average at best and you know you could even say he's been pretty poor from where we were at to where we finished at Um, but I think a new manager can come in and turn this around pretty quickly. A lot of people are kind of almost saying as if we're going to have to write off next season. I mean, I would still expect us after doing, say we do some pretty decent transfer business, you know, we'll revisit this in August after we see who's in and out, but I'm still expecting us to at least have a top four challenge next year. Uh, I would, I would too. I, I would like to say though, I, I, I do think there's sort of evidence to say that perhaps in terms of, um, picking up on tactics uh, in that sort of mental aspect of the game. Rangnick seems fairly candid in his interviews and he seems to fairly, you know, sick of it and begrudging of the fact that no one seems to listen to his instructions uh, high up the pitch or, well, well, anywhere on the pitch. Um, So in a sense that there's, it's understandable that Oli was Vibes FC because these players aren't capable of having that meticulous detailed manager or so it would seem 
well, so, you know, they're going to be getting a new one, so they better get ready well, for well, it. Exactly, ASAP. yeah. I, I, and I think I think that'll be telling on who 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 sort of stays and who goes. You, you know, I don't think. Well, I'm hopeful Eric Ten Hag won't put up with the the likes that the, the people who don't follow his instructions, like the Rangers, had to. Yeah, that's it. He didn't have any choice because he was interim. And I think that was part of the problem for Ranić was that a lot of players didn't buy into what he was coming up with because they knew he was only here for a few months. Uh, mm. He also realised himself pretty quickly that our players just weren't up to the fitness levels. They weren't ready to run the amount he expects players to. But, uh, you know, this is why we hear as well that Ten Hag wants to get in early. He wants to start working on that fitness immediately. And to be honest, for like, you know, we have got, the most expensive squad kind of wages wise so it's just an embarrassment that we're like behind on the kind of fitness side of it you know anybody yeah. can do that it doesn't even have to be about quality it's... that's just down to hard work and things like that but you know as i say going back to the question i think that things can get turned around quickly because so much of this is about confidence and if you yeah. have a new guy who comes in the players buy into that they start believing there is a lot more quality there. I'm not saying there is a great quality squad and obviously it's reached the end of a cycle where a lot of players are leaving and there'll be a lot coming in, but there's definitely a lot more quality than they have shown this season. Uh, and, definitely. So, yeah. I, 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 and the, the players that are leaving in our squad are players that haven't been played anyway. So uh, it's, it's more, it's moot really in that sense. You know, we're not, we're not gutting a squad of playing first team regulars we're good in a squad of, of peripheral players that sort of some are at the end of their careers and some just don't play at all yeah it's true and you know the likes of Matic and Mata have started playing a fair bit after not playing much at all for the last two years but uh, you know part of that is of course down to injury and everything like that but still that's the way it's gone over there but yeah, maybe uh, if we have a look at some things that are more positive around the club, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a focus on the women's side of the club with uh, Natalie who joined us and talked about how the women's team are doing well. Their academy there won the double. Uh, ultimately, the women's first team did like miss out on the Champions League place. They came fourth and the top three in the Women's oh. Super League gets it. Uh, so it's a shame that's the second season in a row they actually came fourth and are still just trying to fight to get into that top three, which is difficult because they're much more established, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City. Whereas, you know, we're still a relatively newcomer in the Women's League. But yeah, still positive signs over there. And then this week, our academy team, the youth team, have won the FA Youth Cup. Uh, the first time in a long time, actually, you know, you always associate us as having a very strong academy with a lot of players coming through. You know, there's always this great stat thrown out there that every team we've had like throughout the Premier League and even before that, decades yeah. before, has had at least kind of one homegrown academy talent in it. And, you know, that still lives today, even though, like I said, a lot of these players have struggled this year. We still do have McTominay, Rashford, even if he's not playing, will be on the bench. Uh, you know, Lingard, Pogba are still players who've come from our academy, uh, even though, yeah, a couple of them will be leaving this summer. So, yeah, we still do keep that history there. And there is always that link. I mean, I'm, I know there's always this discussion and on Twitter. A lot of people make fusses about this, saying we shouldn't give players all this time just because they're academy but I don't agree with that I'm actually ready to be biased towards academy players I like to see them there especially if they're like homegrown Manchester lads uh you know for me they deserve extra time and I'm yeah. ready to give them every chance to make it at Manchester United uh you know for me that having these players 
is a big part of being Manchester United. Well, exactly. And it's part of our history. If You can't celebrate Manchester United, the club as an entity and its history, and then balk at the idea of keeping academy players in the squad or in and about the squad just because, you know, they're not quite as good as you'd hoped at this moment in time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and as I say, so the youth team won the FA Youth Cup. We are the all-time record holders of that, having now won it 11 times. But the last time we won it goes all the way back to 2011. Uh, and in the meantime, kind of Chelsea have actually had a really strong academy and have started catching up with us. So, yeah, we're on 11 Youth Cups. They're on nine now, whereas they've won kind of about five in that decade where we've been a little slightly lost. Wow. I mean, there is reasons for that. It's partly because when some of our best players who might be in the youth team often go out on loan, uh, we also there's been a couple of the biggest ones have made that transition quite quickly you know recently it's been Rashford it's been Greenwood uh, who have been the ones who've kind of gone straight from that youth team into the first team setup you know they kind of skipped through almost uh, reserve football and the under 23s but yeah this team won it it was 3-1 against uh, Nottingham Forest and pretty much nearly a full Old Trafford which was amazing to see um, you know Nearly you know, some like 68,000 people were there. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. Uh, you saw it on there. And yeah, I saw quite a few. The chance I think that were going around by the end of that FA Youth Cup from Old Trafford was, can we watch you every week? Uh, because obviously, <laughs> long suffering season ticket holders and whatever have struggled at Old Trafford this year. So, yeah, it was good for yeah. any of them to get a bit of joy there and watch actually some silverware come in. I, I, mean, heard, not- I heard Garnacho didn't have the greatest game, but still, Scott, was it two goals? Yeah, he was kept very quiet, actually. I mean, yeah, I watched this match and I actually enjoyed watching it. It was the most I'd enjoyed watching a United (laughs) match for months and months and months. And, uh, you know, these players were really fighting for it. They were running for each other. They were playing as a team. And yeah, everything we've lacked in the first team for a, a long time. Uh, and, you know, obviously the big name and the kind of most well-known is Alejandro Garnacho. Uh, he had a relatively quiet game, but, and yeah, that's kind of kudos to Nottingham Forest, who kept him very quiet and were defending pretty well. But at the end of it, he scored two goals. Uh, one was actually a pretty dodgy penalty, which VAR would not have given because it, it was a foul, but it was quite blatantly outside of the box. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he won the penalty and dispatched it. And then he finished off with a very nice goal, just right in the last minute, basically, to seal it by clear. And uh, he got seven goals in this Youth Cup run this year, which was the record from anyone. He's also been awarded our uh, Youth Team Player of the Year, the Jimmy Murphy Youth Player of the Year went to him over there. Uh, you know, it's been a kind of a breakout season for him as a player. He's also been called up to the Argentina squad, although, yeah, he hasn't actually played for them yet. But I saw him running around with an Argentina flag when he was celebrating this Youth Cup win. So it looks like he's nailing his colours to that mask because he has also played youth football for Spain. He's, he's born and raised in Spain, but off Argentinian heritage. So he still has uh, the choice. I did hear they were fighting over it. Yeah, I think there is a bit of a battle there, but it's looking like he has chosen Argentina. Um, And yeah, look, he is definitely a top, top talent. Uh, You know, this game started well for us. We had a goal, came from a free kick. Our captain, Reese Bennett, scored with a header over there. He's a local Manchester lad. Uh, And then, yeah, as I said, the other two goals came from Garnacho. Uh, it's, It's kind of an interesting team because there's a lot of actual local Manchester players in there. 
And that's down to kind of rules nowadays where, you know, people who don't know, but years ago, United would try and recruit from all around the country. And, you know, David Beckham, for example, was actually a Londoner, but was, you know, recruited by United Academy when he was young. But nowadays there was this kind of 90 minute rule where you're not allowed to recruit anybody into your academy who lives further than 90 minutes from your ground. Uh, So most of our players there are either kind of Manchester lads or from abroad where there's no such kind of restrictions. So you get the likes of Garnacho. There's also another Spanish guy there, uh, Gerardo. There's a Norwegian player in there. But yeah, like I say, a lot of those players are born and raised Manchester lads, uh, which is great to see. And, uh, you know, I saw a stat out there um, on Twitter where it basically said that something like, 35% 35% of players who play for us in the FA Youth Cup end up playing for the first team. And 70% of them end up having a professional football career somewhere. So, you know, out of this team who's played there, you're saying, you know, more than half of them should end up professional footballers and we should be expecting to see a few of them in the first team pretty soon. That's I mean, something oh, Fergie always maintained he did, that, you know, if they didn't make it at United, he'd make sure they made it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look back at that, you know, the last winning team for us was 2011. And that team had Lingard in it. It had Pogba in it, who obviously are still actually around. It had Ravel Morrison in it, whose story I'm sure everybody knows, uh, you know, who's kind of, everybody always talks about what amazing talent he was, but kind of lost off the pitch, not the right kind of character and discipline to make a career in football. But he's still actually playing his trade and has been playing for Derby in the championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had the Keane brothers. Uh, you know, Will Keane's obviously still at Everton. And there's a few others there. Ryan Tunnicliffe, who played for Fulham for years. There were several others in that team as well who've all gone on to at least have decent careers, even if they weren't top, top level. So, yeah, it will be interesting now to see from this new class of uh, 2022 who makes it and who doesn't. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't forget that this is youth football, so it's under 18. And between there, we have the reserves, which is kind of under 23, who are actually the players, you know, who are more likely to be coming into the first team so you get the odd players and you know the last couple of examples have been Rashford have been Greenwood who've kind of almost gone straight from youth team into the first team but normally you'll go into the reserves maybe have a loan or two before you kind of uh, make it into the first team and we've obviously got a load of players still out on reserve uh, on loan this year you know everybody looks at our squad and talks about the amount of players we need but we've got 13 about 14 players out on loan and um, I'm assuming Eric Ten Hag will give a lot of these players a chance to stake a claim for coming in as well yeah well James Garner's had a fantastic season again at Forest yeah he has he has fighting for Premier League promotion in fact aren't they yeah yeah they are and uh, I, I would be happy for Garner to come into the squad but there is also an argument that if Forrest made it into the Premier League and he wanted to stay with them and play week in, week out for them in the Premier League, it might actually serve him better than coming and being kind yeah. of a squad player for us. I think if they if they get promoted, that's probably the best path for him. Um, but if not, I think it's probably better to being in the squad and uh, being, being, you know, back up for like the league games, early FA Cup games. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and as I say, the, there is a question again from Twitter uh, does relate to the kind of youth and who's in and around at the moment. And basically it's about who's going to make it through. As I say, from this particular team, Garnacho is the star. There is also McNeil. There's another lad, Mainu, who looks pretty good. He's a kind of more holding midfielder 
And again, that's maybe a position we need. But yeah, the question came from Popico Anders on Twitter. And he says, would be fun to hear the lads discuss which one prospect they feel has the greatest potential to make it to the first 11. And I think eventually we will see Garnacho playing for the team, whether he comes straight in, whether he needs to go and have a, line, a loan in the meantime remains to be seen. And yeah, Eric Ten Hag will make these calls. You know, Ajax is another club who are well known for promoting youth and bringing players from within, which I think is another big reason that Ten Hag has been chosen. So he's definitely going to be somebody who gives youth a chance. But you're more looking at the next lot and you're more looking at the players who are currently out on loan. So you're looking at Garner. Uh, there's maybe there's Laird. There's another. There's a few players. I mean, who've had a decent championship loans this year. Laird. There's been Bernard at Hull who played a fair bit and had some kind of man of the match awards. He's a centre back, and so yeah. Well, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see who makes there. Nobody though has actually set the world alight in any of them apart from Garner. Yeah, they've all had kind of mixed seasons, but sometimes it's been due to injury. Sometimes it's been to managerial change, and of course, the one who's often forgotten though, who's actually the only one who's played virtually week in week out in the Premier League is uh, Brandon Williams who's mm. I know you know Norwich has struggled but he's played a, virtually like I'd say 80% of their matches this season especially since they had that managerial change he was in and out of the team at the start of the season but uh, under Smith he's been playing most of the time and I actually did see a banner up at Norwich where fans were saying Brandon Williams please stay uh, so yeah he'll be an interesting one I mean I personally would happily bring Brandon Williams back to the club uh, ahead of Tellez who I think at this point is not good enough you know I was always happy to give players like Tellez a season to settle in and then this was the season he had to prove himself and he's played a fair bit so he cannot complain about his minutes and you know ultimately he's an okay backup but he's never gonna really push Luke Shaw on uh, so yeah, if we had a decent offer, I'd happily dispose of Tellers this summer and bring Williams back as the kind of reserve left back to Luke Shaw. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think um, for Brandon Williams in his career, being the understudy to Shaw is probably not the best move for him. It's possible, it's possible. But, uh, you know, we know Sean needs a bit of a kick on and it seemed that last season when Tellers came in, it did push him on and he had a great season last year. This season has not been great. A lot of that has been due to injury rather than poor performance. But even when he, he was playing, he was average at best and wasn't yeah. hitting anywhere near the kind of level he was showing last year. No. Uh, so, yeah, he does need to come in there. And then, yeah, Williams can also play right back, even though he's more kind of, showing himself at left back nowadays, uh, you know, and right back is a problem position for us for sure. Yeah. Is, isn't he a right, right footed left back though? Is he is right footed, isn't he? Uh, I think he can kind of actually play with both feet. Oh, and, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's for Norwich. He's played virtually always on the left. Yeah. Uh, he did play for us a few times on the right and left when he was getting games before going out on loan. So yeah, we'll have to see where he goes over there. I mean, if we pick out a few others who've had good kind of seasons on loan, there's also, yeah, one who's forgotten about is Dylan Levitt, who's been out in yeah. Scotland. And I know Jamie always keeps an eye on him. And he's actually had a really good season whenever he's managed to play for Dundee. And he's even scored this week, actually. Yeah. But he's had massive injury problems and only played about 50% of the time. Whenever he was fit, he was playing. He's scored quite a few goals, had some very good reports from out there. He, again, is a midfielder. 
and uh, we know that midfield uh, midfield is probably our main problem area. Uh, you know, we know for sure Matic is leaving. Pogba's looks pretty much definitely leaving. Even Lingard, although he's not central midfielder, his kind of midfield area is leaving. Matt is probably leaving. So there is going to be quite a few squad spaces around the midfield area for sure. Uh, and we say we talk about Garner, we talk about Levitt. So yeah, I think there's a chance for at least one of them to come in and make it over there. But yeah, Garner is the one that is the most exciting. And then there's a few others there who've had decent seasons and we have to see where they go. I mean, at the same time, there's big disappointments. There's someone like Axel Tuanzebi. You know, he was the winner of this kind of Reserve Player of the Year of Award a couple of years ago, had a great loan out of Villa and then has just had a couple of seasons that were more or less a waste of time. I mean, I had high hopes for him a couple of years ago and he's a bit lost now. He's been out of Napoli and has literally not played a minute. He's been injured. <laughs> He's been injured since he pretty much arrived there. I mean, he played quite, he played about 50% of the time in the first half of the season when he was at Villa. But yeah, I don't know where he's at now. Like I say, it's been a whole year that's been nearly a waste and two years when you see how much he played for his last So year. we didn't even recall, because often when players are injured, we couldn't recall them from that. We didn't even bother to recall him. I think Napoli actually paid a loan fee, right? So uh, in those okay. kind of situations, you just, yeah, he's, he's there. They've actually paid for him. It's not like some of the others. Uh, you know, nowadays, some of, a lot of our loan deals, we're not paid anything for them. And yeah. from what I understand, United do a deal with a lot of these kind of championship clubs saying, if our player plays, we'll play, pay his salary. If you don't play him, you have to pay his salary. Right. And that's the kind of way they weight the deal to put it, you know, in the favour of the club to play our players as much as possible. Because we had too many times in the past where yeah. players would go out on loan and just be used as bench fodder and it'd be a kind of waste of a season for them. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of our players now have at least played quite a few minutes. And like there's people like, say, Deshaun Bernard has played quite a bit for centre-back for Hull over there. Uh, Tendon Mengi has been uh, Birmingham. He's only played nine games, so it's Tendon Mengi. Oh, Again, ten, ten. he was yeah. he was injured a fair bit and has come back to the club for rehabilitation. Oh, Tahif uh, Chong has whenever he was fit. Again, it's a scenario. Whenever he was fit, he was playing for Birmingham, and uh, uh, but he's been injured a lot, a lot. So yeah, that's been the problem for him. Again, uh, you know, like Levitt, when he was fit, he was playing and doing pretty well. And weirdly, I actually understand that he's been kind of shifted at Birmingham into being a kind of more central midfielder. Whereas, you know, whenever he was getting chances for us, he was always a wide, more attacking midfielder. Um, but he's apparently been doing relatively well for them in playing in more central kind of midfield areas. But yeah, injuries has been an issue for him as well. It's been a problem for a lot of our lone players, unfortunately. Um, and then there's a couple of others that people will totally forget about. Like we've even got the likes of like Facundo Palestri, who's still out in like uh, La Liga, uh, Alaves, um, who gets yeah. picked for Uruguay and has actually excelled for them, but doesn't get a game for Alaves, who are bottom of La Liga and struggled. So I don't know, you know, that's not been such a great season for him either. No, he's actually said that he wants to be um, getting a chance at United next season as well, because, you know, he's at a stage where he thinks he deserves to have a go. I kind of thought there was no chance of that based on how much he's played for Alaves, but then it was quite a shock that it was actually Diego Forland was the Uruguay manager called him up for quite a few vital World Cup qualifiers and he played and he scored and he set up goals and he was actually an absolute vital player in Uruguay who only just qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of gives some hope that there is a player there but at the same time, like I said, he's not getting a game no. hardly ever for Alaves who are down rock bottom of La Liga. Um, I saw that Armad Diallo scored for Rangers 
uh, yeah. this week. So, yeah, that's a good kind of sign. He's not played as much as we hoped, but he seems to have enjoyed their kind of run to the Europa League final. Even though he's not played, he seems to have really enjoyed his time there. And at least he's playing a little bit now and has scored a couple of goals when he's had a chance. He could end up being an important player for them in the Europa League final. Yeah, no, I mean, I, again, would not expect him to play at all in the final, even if he has scored a couple of goals. He will be on the bench. And yeah, let's see if they're struggling. He might come off on the bench, but he's not had yeah, that many start. chances. No, no he definitely won't no, start. He I don't think he'll start. start. I, I think he might come off the bench. I, I, I would be Well, surprised. he's, like I said, he's had a chance. All, he was kind of like, frozen out for a while and then he's had mm. a few matches in the last month and has scored a couple of goals so maybe that will give him a chance to be involved in that Europa League final uh, so yeah let's see what happens for him over there but yeah look let's see let's see as I say but yeah the ones we have to pull out are Garner he is the one who the main one and then yeah I do expect the likes of Williams may well come back to the club over there uh, we'll see from there but yeah from this youth cup team the other kind of names that you will throw out Charlie McNeil scored a lot of goals we actually robbed him of Manchester City uh, but he's another like a local Manchester lad and then the other one like that I did pick out who played there was Kobe Minu, who's a kind of central defensive midfielder uh, so yeah these are the names to kind of think about and I, see where they go from there I did mean to ask actually what kind of striker is Garnacho like He's more, he could end up being a kind of winger number 10. He's a tricky kind of player who likes to take players on, get into the box and, uh, you know, maybe win a foul to get a penalty. So, yeah, he's that kind of striker who likes to take people on. We'll beat a couple of players and curl one in the corner. Yeah, centrally, though, not. I mean, he's not the central central striker because it is McNeil. And there is also like uh, Hugh Gill who kind of came in from the bench in that final who's the kind of the massive unit up front when we need the big lad uh so whereas Alejandro Garnacho is the more kind of he's like maybe you'd say he's actually a messy style of player yeah um you know that Argentinian link comes from there uh so yeah he is the one who could make that step up straight like I say the last two who we had who came nearly straight from youth team to the first team were Greenwood and before that Rashford he couldn't do that he could do that whereas the rest will need time in the reserves or alone and things like that to prove themselves I think he's yeah. the only one who might be ready to make and skip a kind of level and come straight through but uh, yeah definitely worth keeping an eye on <clears throat> um, look as well as those kind of players we are going to have a lot of transfer rumour it's all kicking in I am not a fan of it. I kind of ignore a lot of it. So, yeah, I think when we get the likes of Jamie or maybe Oshwin on, who love following all the transfer stuff, we'll go more deep dive into the transfer rumours. But I think we do need to give a mention because it's more than just noise and seems to be some serious kind of interest in uh, Frankie de Jong, who obviously came from Ajax and is at Barcelona. There's a lot, a lot of kind of rumour that Eric Ten Hag has put him right at the top of his list of who he wants in at the club. Of course, we know midfield is our biggest kind of problem area and probably, I mean, would you agree that's our most area in dire need of reinforcement? Yeah, it has to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that and probably striker, assuming that Greenwood is a write-off, I'd say that and striker are our biggest kind of priorities because... Ronaldo has had a, a good year. You cannot say that now. You know, we've debated it all year. We have to say he's had a good year from the amount yeah. of goals he scored. We That's cannot de- uh, deny that. And I'm pretty sure he will be here next season, even though there's still some kind of debate about that. But we need somebody else. Uh, you know, and Haaland is now off the radar. 
I think I think once Ole left, that was killed any chance we had of getting Haaland in. I think that kind of Norwegian link and that he'd worked with him before did give mm. a kind of glimmer of hope that he might have chosen Manchester United. But I think as soon as Ole left the club, that finished any interest of Haaland coming to us. And yeah, of yeah. course, he's ended up at Manchester City. I think that was a hope that killed, to be honest. I, I, I never expected Haaland to join. Yeah. I didn't expect him to join City, though, to be fair. I thought he'd go by him, but it is what it is. Yeah, he is what he's in. Uh, I just hope he's, he's had quite a kind of <clears throat> injury hit season as well. So I hope he ends up being a massive sick no injury croc. That's my biggest <laughs> hope for Harlan yeah. coming in there. Uh, you know, we see from there. Um, but yeah, look, apart from that, which kind of position do you think we most need to strengthen after that? Midfield is obvious. Striker is obvious. After that, where would you be looking? My, well, my ideal transfer window, I mean, assuming Frank, Frankie de Jong rumours are true, would be de Jong, Neves, Paul Torres, and then I have no idea about strikers, to be quite honest. Uh, so Paul Torres as a centre-back. So yeah, centre-back's probably probably my next next one. Um, I, just because I don't think we're deep enough there and, you know, Bailly and Jones shouldn't be at the club next season, really. Yeah, you'd expect at least one of them, if not both, uh, will be leaving us. Uh, as I say, there is kind of some promising centre-backs out there. Bernard, Mengi, none of them are kind of ready to step up and be first-team players. They can feel kind of bench spots if we needed. And to be honest, I would rather have one of them two than the likes of Bailly, who just ends up being a bit of a waste of time. Not that I think he's a bad player. I think he's often played all right for us, but he's just injured so much that there's just not that much point in him being around, really. Yeah. That, and you just never know what you can get from him. It's either a world-class performance or just pure excrement. <laughs> I mean, I, I do actually think that generally, whenever he's played for us, he's done all right. But I think managers have never played him because they just can't rely on him uh, being fit, uh, you know, for more than yeah. a couple of matches. And that's why this season, you've seen Phil Jones has even gone ahead of Eric Bailly yeah. in the pecking order. And that says a lot when you think Phil Jones is more reliable injury-wise than Eric Bailly. Yeah. Then, yeah, you definitely know it's time to move on. I'm just still not over the time he did a pirouette in the box uh, against Everton. And, you know, it came off, but if it hadn't, that's just a goal, automatic goal. So, yeah, no, he's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, So before we finish off by looking at the last game of the season this weekend, I do want to give a shout out to our regular sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, I was going to read their kind of new copy. I think Imran and Jamie did a great job last week. They had a kind of Champions League copy to go on. And then Manscaped has sent us a new copy talking about summer. And it starts kind of, summer is here, the sun is shining. But I don't know about you, Ed, but here where I am, it's been absolutely <laughs> pissing it down all day today. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not, don't feel like talking about the sun is, summer is here kind of blurb over there. But listen, I'm sure our regular listeners know that... Uh, Manscaped is the place to go if you're looking for any of your trimmers and things like that. Um, Manscaped, the Performance Package 4.0 is their big seller. It's the thing that we've all used and I still get great use from. Uh, Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for the hot summer by going to manscaped.com and use the code UNITEDHOUR20 to get 20% off and free shipping off everything over there. 
the lawnmower 4.0 is that trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce any nicks or cuts which you definitely don't want in that kind of below the bent area uh, it has a kind of led spotlight which is also cool to get you that kind of precise shave over there it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower no issues things like that and they throw in quite a few gifts into that performance package you get a kind of travel bag boxer shorts there's some kind of yeah potion like uh, lotions of potions, lotions of potions <laughs> uh, crop preserver kind of moisturizer aftershave all this kind of stuff so yeah get over manscape.com united hour 20 uh so yeah look at we're here end of the season i mean it was quite weird we're recording this on the sunday we're not playing this weekend at all uh, been a because, nice day, weekend off really hasn't it yeah exactly no you know united <laughs> to ruin the weekend but yeah because uh, we had that rearranged chelsea game it was supposed to be chelsea this weekend um and i do think actually the glazers have ended up getting off relatively lightly because when that chelsea game was supposed to be this weekend there was quite a lot of protest and all planned for it and then it ended up that our last couple of games were midweekers so kind of yeah like i say they've got off slightly lightly there even though you know we have seen some kind of protest at the last few home games of the season on that, I remember when we last chatted, you said that um, Musk were waiting for a response regarding the fan share scheme. Has that did they did they get that in time? No, that still must have not finalised that. And I think there has been things going on over there. Did actually have a brief chat with Must, somebody at Must, about it a couple of weeks ago. And there's a couple of sticking points basically. You know this. The Glazers are ready to sell some shares to the fans. That is not an issue. They've even said how many. Uh, and the big thing that I thought was a positive news was they said they were ready to sell the class of shares that gave the same voting rights as they have. Because, uh, you know, without going into too much financial jargon, uh, Manchester United shares are listed out in USA. But if you buy those shares, you buy one share and each one of those shares only has like a tenth of the voting rights of one kind of Glazer share. And they said they were ready to sell the full voting rights shares to fans. But the biggest sticking points have been around the fact that Must demanded that any money that was given for the sale of these shares from fans had to be used in the club and not going to the Glazers' pockets. Right. And I think that is probably been, I mean, I've not been told that, but I, I, I would read in that that has been the biggest sticking point on where there hasn't been agreement on it. Um, and, you know, I think as a symbol of the Glazers saying, look, we apologise, especially for the Super League and how things have gone, it would be great if they did something like that. You know, we know that Old Trafford needs some much needed refurb work. We know maybe like our training facilities are kind of slightly falling behind. I do think sometimes people go a bit over the top, say that Old Trafford is crumbling and falling apart. You know, it's not the case. It is still one of the best stadiums. And, you know, you see even when we get 70,000 fans turning up for a youth cup final, uh, you know, it's still the second yeah. biggest stadium in the country. And yeah, it definitely does need some work doing to it. But yeah, it's not kind of crumbling away or anything like that. But yeah, the money does need to be spent on the stadium. Money does need to be spent on training facilities. And we said several times, I don't think we can really moan about how much money has ever been spent on the playing squad, especially not in the kind of last uh, decade or so. Uh, but yeah, it is more about the facility side of things. And yeah, it's more about decisions being made. You know, we're hoping for a complete fresh start. We're seeing a lot of people connected to the club leaving. Uh, you know, I know me and Imran were on when there was the breaking news that Matt Judge, who was like our kind of chief transfer negotiator, is going to be leaving the club. A couple of the big 
chief scouts have left, which yeah. was like uh, Jim Lawler and a couple over there. And then there's also others who are leaving. I saw like our head of social media and communications is leaving the club. So there is going to be a lot of changes going on this summer. And yeah, that is great to see. And we hope it is going to bring better times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we still wait to hear about the fan share scheme and things like that. As I say, yeah, must are still working away on it. And probably, I guess, it's the kind of thing we'll hear about in the close season. But look, last day of the season is here, Ed. It becomes a vital game. We yes. are yes. two points ahead of West Ham. They have a vastly superior goal difference. <laughs> so shocking. You know, with our absolutely ridiculous defensive record this year, you know, we've broken so many bad records, you know, worst Premier League points, most goals conceded, all these records are going out the window this year. And, you know, we're on a shocking kind of plus one goal difference, which is just an absolute embarrassment, really. Mm. Uh, and it is mostly to do with the amount of goals we've shipped, even though, you know, we've also not scored enough, but it is more to do with our poor defence this year. And that gives, like, you know, West Ham the kind of edge. So, yeah, we really have to win our last game so yeah we've got Palace away West Ham are going away to Brighton and Ove Albion if we can win the game it is in our hands so yeah a win gets us the sixth place and the Europa League if we draw and West Ham win if we lose then yeah we may well end up in the Europa Conference uh, I mean I'd say it's difficult to feel confident the way we've been and of course our last game was getting hammered by Brighton themselves who now are ironically playing West Ham but yeah what do you think are we going to do it the silence tells you everything uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, I like I always like to think we are because I'm you know glass half full but yeah yeah we're going to do it yeah, look, I can totally understand. It's difficult to be confident. You know, I'm normally like you as well, more on the kind of positive side, always hoping for the best. Uh, but, you know, we're coming off an awful, awful performance. And I'd actually say probably our worst performance of the season that we put out against Brighton, uh, you know, last week, uh, getting hammered by them basically was just a pure embarrassment. And, you know, they deserved it as well. We didn't create anything. They were just carving through our defence time and time again. Trossard uh, finally got his goal against us. Yeah. I think he hit the rub work about 10 times uh, last season, didn't he? So, I, I, like I said, they were absolutely worth their win over there. It wasn't like a freak result in any way. Um, I think XG, they were at something like 2.8 <laughs> and we were at not even one. So, yeah, it was not like beyond luck or anything like that in any way and I just hope that yeah Brighton can put that kind of performance in it against West Ham I mean uh, it was a bit of a killer today I don't know about you but I watched the Manchester City West Ham game you know we had kind of two levels that we wanted City to win over here you know that's the sad time that we're kind of now supporting our noisy neighbours Manchester City one I would prefer them to win the league over Liverpool. Yeah. And two, we needed them to beat West Ham to do us a favour in finishing over here in sixth place. But somehow City managed to go 2-0 down, <laughs> uh, come back to 2-2. And then, yeah, I, you know, I still find it strange that they sent Riyad Mahrez up to take this vital penalty. And uh, it, was a, it was actually a good save. It wasn't a horrible, horrible penalty. It was actually a good save from the West Ham keeper. But yeah, he's missed it. And the game finishes 2-2 and puts both of those things still kind of in the balance. So, yeah, the title and our kind of top six race, which, you know, it's even like an embarrassment to say that we're still fighting to be in the top six. But, yeah, that's where we are. It is what it is. Um, but, 
and we've you know we've got news as well this week that things are getting even worse in the camp uh you know i, I often like to avoid talking about kind of rumors and things that are not substantiated but there's clearly been some kind of fight between a couple of players we don't know who it is the rumor mill on twitter whatever say that maguire and lingard have had a punch up uh, is, is it that bad is that that bad I actually don't think it is. These things happen all the time uh, in yeah, clubs, exactly. even when things are going successfully. I mean, you can even listen to the likes of Roy Keane when we were winning everything. And he says, yeah. you know, I had a fight with Peter Schmeichel. I had a fight with Gary Pallister. You know, these things do happen all the time. Uh, but just it becomes a big deal because everybody likes negative news about Manchester United. Everybody yeah. knows that we're on low confidence and these kind of things, you know, are causing a problem. And I, I, I wouldn't be that surprised, maybe, if it ends up being the likes of Maguire and Lingard. You know, Lingard is clearly leaving the club, is not happy about how things have ended. Uh, I mean, I do think that around kind of Christmas time, Lingard had a bit of right kind of to moan about the amount yeah. of game time he'd had this season. Because obviously he had a really good loan at West Ham. Uh, Ole asked him to stay, but then... I thought he even had a couple of good appearances at the start of the season, but then didn't get many chances to play. He wanted to leave. He didn't leave. And it was mostly down to that fact that Greenwood ended up being out of action and the club just decided to keep holding Lingard. And in the end, it's been a massive mistake. And, you know, Ralph has kind of been open again about calling out the club hierarchy and saying that, you know, as soon as the Greenwood news came out, there was a couple of days of the transfer window left. And he was saying, I went to the board and said, we should be looking to bring somebody else in. And he says, I was told no. And that basically we're going to keep hold of Jesse Lingard for an extra player of the squad. And we're going to go, you know, we've got Cavani, we've got Rashford. But, you know, in the end, we know that both of them, one due to injury and one due to poor form, have basically been non-existent in the running for us this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what can you say? What can you say to that, though? I mean, no. I mean, it's, I, I do like the fact, like I say, because it's now quite clear that Ranić has just been interim and he's not going to be a full-time employee of the club. So he's not scared to go and speak the truth. Yeah, uh, you know, because when you're a consultant, you can say what you want to say. Like, he's probably not even that bothered if they cut his consultancy contract because he's got a full-time job as manager of Austria and I'm sure he's going to get paid several millions for that. Uh, he, of course, says he does want to stay on and help the kind of transition of the club. Or well, what I understand, Ralph Rannick has a really good relationship with John Murtor and John Murtor rates his advice very highly and is listening to him on advice about players who could be brought in, is listening to him about other people who could come in to deal with our kind of, you know, we obviously need new people on the scouting side. Uh, you know, Paul Mitchell has been mentioned for out of Monaco. So that is what I understand that even though maybe I bet the Glazers are not happy about some of the things that Ranik has been saying. But I think that because Myrtle wants his advice and thinks that Ralph Ranik is such a kind of professional head and knows so much and so many people around football that he is worth kind of keeping on uh, and going there. And as I, I, you know, I said it, that it's come out that Ralph's contract, this consultancy contract basically amounts to like six days a month. So kind of like a week, you know, a week or so uh, every month over there. So I, and he'll basically, I guess, be advising John Murtor on things over there. Yeah. And I think probably he will stay and have some kind of role in passing over to Eric and getting involved there. Uh, and I guess it'll be a lot will be down to Ten Hag then, up to him on how he wants to play things going forward. 
do you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think um, Rangit's shown some good passion for the club, to be quite honest. He's he shown that he cares more than Mourinho did. Definitely. I, look, I've been happy. I've been happy with the things he's saying. I think a lot of them needed to be said. And that's, that is the one positive thing. Because he is not a permanent employee, he's not been afraid to be honest, even though maybe it has led to fallout with some players and disharmony in the squad. Uh, you know, we had both Lingard and Martial earlier in the season who were kind of disagreeing openly with the manager on Twitter, which is an absolute joke. You know, these kind of things should not happen full stop. Yeah, even yeah. if you disagree with something the manager said, you should not be going on social media and talking about it. You should deal with these things in-house. But yeah, I'm glad. Like I said, it is good that he's come out with some honest things over there. And I do hope he is still involved with the club. As I said, I don't think he's been a good manager for us. And ultimately, yeah. his interim kind of period has been a failure. We have to say that. But I was always more interested in what he could do on the more structural side of us, where quite clearly we have needed a complete refresh. And, uh, you know, that is going to happen this summer. Yeah, and it looks like it. Yeah, it looks like it will happen. Uh, so yeah, I think we're probably going to wrap up for this week over there. As I said, it was kind of nice not to have a match to talk about. Uh, avoided as much as possible about talking about the Brighton game, and we left it a kind of week since we played that game, so that we could just forget about it. As I get, congrats again to the youth team who've at least won something for us over there. And yeah, we'll keep a good eye on them. Um, and yeah, we will be back after the end of the season. We will also planning plenty of podcasts over the summer uh, we will definitely get back you know another focus on the women's team also yes. had a guest who was just not quite able to make it who will give us a lot more insight into the academy uh, soon so yeah we'll get him on when we get a chance so yeah there is some guests coming up there but yeah we'll be back in the summer following what Eric Ten Hag's basic plans and as I say if you get a chance go out there have a listen to Steve McLaren's podcast that was well recommended by Benny over on Twitter it's well worth listening to gives some good insight into Eric Ten Hag there and yeah let's just look forward to the new era as I say this season is not quite finished and we are, we will be talking next time on whether we're in the Europa League or the Europa Conference and where exactly we finish up but as I say there's good noises around a lot of players a lot of staff leaving the club and a quite clearly a new era is starting at Manchester United so yeah with the academy going well these are at least the reasons to look forward and reasons to be cheerful for the future of the yeah. club and and guys please if you have anything you'd like us to cover in the offseason please just get in touch and we'll we'll try and sort a pod out and have a look into it yeah, definitely. We always like it when people are giving us questions on Twitter or Red Cafe or wherever it is. Those are kind of the main two places you can get in touch with us. We do have email as well, unitedhour at gmail.com if anybody needs to drop us a line. But yeah, Twitter and Red Cafe Forum are the best places to interact with us. We are also <clears throat> on Facebook. We are on Instagram and we do have our Patreon. Uh, I had promised a couple of weeks ago that I was going to do this draw, actually. Our Patreon guys will be getting a prize and that announcement, all right, will do for sure on the next podcast and we do as well i will just say i did stay at the start of the season i was reminded of this that we will be giving out a prize for whoever is the top of the fantasy premier league of our united hour over there so yeah there is i posted that out on twitter a couple of weeks ago there's quite a battle with a few uh, guys out there who are looking on there and in our podcasters table Colm is actually leading from me at the moment with Imran in third. So, yeah, there's still something to sort out for the pride of the podcast team and the fantasy Premier League. But I did yeah. chat of that died down, so surely you guys are on top of the league then. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I don't think <laughs> any of it, and none of us have done that well. That's why we haven't talked about fantasy Premier League that much recently. Uh, it's all kind of gone out the window, just like United. And, and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we do have a prize. Um, it will be actually some Manchester United beer coasters we've got for whoever wins our Premier League table. And yeah, there'll be some Manscaped merchandise going out to somebody from Patreon. So yeah, look out for these things in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, that's it. And a uh, good night from me. Yeah, good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.